everyone. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Jesse Jupiter, who recently gave an excellent AO Masterclass series session on distal radius malunion, when and how to correct. So today's session will focus on understanding the thought process of Dr. Jupiter in treating these patients and his future advice. So first of all, thank you, Dr. Jupiter, for joining this session with us. Uh, so my first question for you would be, so can you please share any practice for relevant to this topic with our audience? Uh, yes, thank you. Um, uh, first of all, uh, many uh, of our fractures that we treat don't result in an absolute perfect restoration of their anatomy. And we always think that function follows form and therefore we should think, gosh, so many of these patients should be having difficulty, but they don't. So the first thing to consider is what might be the reasons why uh, a fracture that is healed with some deformity might require an intervention for the malunion. We've come to realize that the way the wrist works, it's a combination of the wrist going up and down, but it also forearm rotation. And as it turns out, for many people, the lack of forearm rotation is more uh, problematic than the uh, actual uh, extension and flexion, which many people measure uh, intensely. So as a result, one of the indications that we might think about if we had to intervene to treat a malunion is a lack of form rotation or pain that occurs either with wrist uh, extension flexion or forearm rotation. So when we see a patient with a malunion whose major complaint is pain in the wrist, uh, we should not really ignore that, but realize that this can be from the abnormality of the uh, cartilage getting too much loading in an abnormal position. So we know that motion, particularly form rotation and pain uh, are two really important reasons why we think about treating the malunion. Additionally, uh, some patients will have a, a fracture that involves a joint. And if the joint is quite separated, uh, the long-term results, especially in younger people, would be uh, 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 some disability and even arthritis, which could be problematic. So one of the indications, if we see the patient relatively soon after uh, the deformity occurs, would be trying to correct a uh, malunion that involves the uh, joint surface. And finally, one other uh, problem that may occur is if the malunion involves an abnormal position of the carpal bones, we call that carpal instability non-dissociative, that can be corrected by correcting the end of the radius. So there are clear indications for intervening um, with a malunion of the distal radius. But let me say again, 
not all malunions require interve intervention. So if we take that step further, what are some of the important things after we've considered embarking on the treatment? Number one is um, the quality of the soft tissues, uh, that there's reasonable motion of the fingers, that uh, there's no uh, median nerve problems, and also that um, the uh, hand and wrist are beginning to have some uh, flexibility. Uh, otherwise, continuous therapy might be important. The second is if we see a fracture that is in a very displaced position, but um, is pretty early after the uh, injury, let's say between five and eight weeks. In the past, we've considered waiting and seeing this heal and seeing if there are problems. But if there's clearly a deformity and the patient is active and young um, and requires a good function of the wrist and forearm, we might intervene earlier. That's another uh, aspect of preoperative planning. And then how to do it, how to understand the malunion uh, requires a very careful preoperative planning. And we can either do that by tracing the, the malunion uh, uh, x-ray on, a, on a, the opposite side, which hopefully is normal, or by currently um, interest in computer generated uh, uh, preoperative planning, which in some cases will not only show the deformity more clearly, but may be able to help in guide where the actual osteotomy is constructed. Uh, so that's probably important in, in the near future, uh, doing more and more of this technology uh, to help understand the deformity and uh, influence the treatment. So those are some, some important aspects. And then the next aspect is, what about the actual procedure? What are some of the uh, pearls, which we might say, uh, to help improve uh, the ability to do the procedure? The first place, as I mentioned, is uh, the quality of the soft tissues. Uh, and today, with the ability to get better hold of, of bone, using uh, angular stable locking screw fixation. Uh, more and more uh, people are finding the approach to the deformity from a anterior or volar approach uh, has some distinct advantages. One distinct advantage is, is the fact that the anatomically shaped plate will sit on the volar aspect of the radius and it will help correct the rotational deformity of the fracture. And that's a, that's a very important uh, additive factor because that will add in improving the ability for forearm rotation. The second is where to construct the osteotomy. As a general principle, especially if our preoperative planning is accurate, the osteotomy should be directed at the actual site of the original fracture and the site of the deformity. Uh, this, this provides a, a clearer uh, picture of 
uh, how to correct the, uh, the malunion by going through the original fracture area. We also need to consider whether or not we have to lengthen the, the part that we've cut, the distal component, in order to gain appropriate length alignment and restore the distal radial ulna joint uh, 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 contact. The use of a small device called a lamina spreader should be part of everyone's osteotomy uh, equipment because this allows one to spread open the, the osteotomy site to gain length and also help, help correct the tendency for the distal fragment to radially translate. By placing the lamina spreader between the ulna and radius more proximal to the osteotomy, we can help correct that. When we have a, a, a malunion with the distal component dorsally displaced, the dorsal surface will have periosteal callus and even some deformity. So before uh, correcting uh, or attempting to correct the, the osteotomy into a better position, uh, another pearl is to extend your dissection above the uh, osteotomy site and try to release some of that periosteal callus and take away any spikes or deformity, which might end up causing irritation of the tendon particularly the extensor pollicis longus. So by doing that and using those small uh, pearls uh, of the osteotomy, lamina spreader, and the angular stable fixation, we can get a better control of uh, the correction. The other aspect that uh, comes about is if we do have a, a, a correction that requires lengthening, we will have a gap where we've done the osteotomy. In the past, uh, we felt, gosh, we need to have uh, a very solid piece of bone graft, corticocancellous bone, because it will need to help support the correction. But with the angular stable plate, we don't really need that so much anymore. So uh, either pure cancellous bone, bone substitute, bone cements are all very effective in, um, in doing this. If you have to lengthen uh, a substantial amount, uh, you will need to release the uh, brachioradialis tendon at its insertion at the radial styloid area. Otherwise, it, it, it's, it will not allow a good lengthening. And you can only get up to 10 millimeters at best uh, to do that. Now, I've given you some pearls, but what about the distal radiola joint? Because that's, as I said, a very important part of the uh, problem that people seek correction and also part of the reconstruction. Problems with the distal radiola joint may be uh, where there's um, uh, arthritis, or there's a problem where the radius is healed in a too short position so that um, the ulnar head and the radius sigmoid notch are not connected very well. 
that might be able to be improved with just a radial osteotomy. A second problem you may have is where you have uh, impaction where the ulna still remains too long. In some of those patients, they may require an ulna shortening osteotomy. Sometimes it may be too much to do uh, uh, at the same time as the osteotomy, and it may require a secondary procedure. The third problem might be instability. And the instability sometimes comes again from the radius malunion where there's not very good contact pressure between the ulnar head and sigmoid notch and correcting the radius malunion may improve that. Otherwise, uh, it may require soft tissue procedures for the uh, distal radial ulnar joint. So that's about a brief coverage of some of the aspects that uh, we would consider. Now the question comes up is, uh, what about the age of the patient? What about osteoporosis? What about um, uh, the quality of the deformity? Uh, is it too, too much? Is it uh, too complex? If we work backwards, yes, deformities either intra-articular uh, or um, very difficult to understand from the x-ray or CAT scan, uh, may be too complex to reconstruct uh, with an osteotomy. And if a patient is having pain or developing arthritis, uh, reconstructive procedures, which may involve fusion of some of the bones, uh, the, the end of the radius and the lunate end of the radius and the scaphoid lunate, or even a total wrist fusion, uh, would do that. The second is, what about the quality of the bone? Is osteoporosis a contraindication? Uh, it might be if it's associated with uh, infirmity of the patient and even the lack of really uh, a need for uh, uh, improvement of function. If the person has low demand or the non-dominant wrist, Having said that, we should never um, disregard people on the basis of chronology, but rather on uh, their activity level. And so there are patients who are very active, who are older, who certainly might seek uh, improvement with a deformity uh, that is causing, causing pain or form rotation problems. But osteoporosis, can be a, a, a potential problem. It may influence how you do the osteotomy and it may influence a greater need for bone graft and even the use of additional fixation instead of the one plate, then two plates, okay? And so osteoporosis is something to consider but should not be totally uh, a contraindication if a person is active. Uh, and the same with age, uh, because age is changing how people view their activity level and their requirements and their needs, per se. Okay. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Jesse. I have another question here, and that's with regard to the current 
modification and technology, as you already mentioned, do you think that current uh, advancement in technique and technology itself can really help improve patient outcome? There's always a, a room for improvement. And as I mentioned, I think the, the current improvement in technology is the use of computer generated preoperative planning and um, uh, computer uh, aiding is to where and how to do the osteotomy. Uh, I think we've improved the fixation of the bone by the angular stable plates. Uh, and um, I've been very happy with uh, bone cements instead of having to go to the patient's hip to take bone graft. And so I think improvement in, in the use of injectable materials, uh, you, we will see uh, the uh, um, patient uh, be able to be done as an outpatient without uh, involving uh, general anesthesia or uh, use of a bone graft from the hip. Sure. Thank you so much, Dr. Jupiter, for sharing your great thoughts and advice with our audience. Um, uh, I, I believe that all our audience really enjoyed the pearls that has been given to us by Dr. Jupiter. And I look forward to all of you to join us all um, us again for the next exciting podcast session. Uh, just a reminder, our podcast is available on Apple and Spotify and looking forward to it. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.